Amen. Have your Bible tonight. Turn to the Gospel of Matthew, to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Here we find closing verses of Matthew 28, the Gospel of Matthew. Words of our Savior to his disciples. He tells them, in verse 19, to go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Beloved, I had us to turn here tonight to begin our time, because as we continue this series, The Essentials of the Christian Life, It brings us to this passage, because if you recall several weeks ago, we were going through a series on evangelism and having a biblical framework when it came to evangelism, that one of the main points that we looked at is that the mission of our evangelism is found here in this passage, and that mission is to make disciples. This is the commission that Jesus gave to his disciples that were there with him that day that has been passed down to you, it's been passed down to me as well. That is to go and to see people coming to know Christ as their Savior and as their Lord. And as we've been looking at this and considering this, we have seen that as believers, we are primarily still here on this earth to glorify God by witnessing for Christ. As more people, by God's grace, respond to the gospel, the gospel that we share with them, putting their trust in Jesus as Savior and as Lord, God is more glorified. In fact, just as a reminder of that, just think about this. If the chief end of man, if the chief end of your life and your existence is to glorify God, then evangelism will be a priority in your life. Because as we tell people about Christ and they come to know Christ, the grace of God spreads. More and more people then are coming to know Jesus and they're able to give thanks to God. And as as they do that, it is abounding to the glory of God. Just as a quick reminder of that, if you have a moment, look with me over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Where Paul makes this point. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15, listen to what he says. For all things are for your sake, so that the grace which is spreading, and it's spreading to more and more people, this grace may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. The giving of thanks. Being able to express our love and our faithfulness in Christ. Also, as it says over in 2 Thessalonians in chapter 3, and in verse 1, Paul says, Finally, brethren, pray for us. Pray that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it did also with you. Paul understanding that as the word of the Lord is spreading throughout the nation, spreading throughout our community, spreading throughout our families, as the word of God is going forward, 
And as it spreads, and as people are responding to it and coming to know Christ, and they're able then to give thanks and praise to God, that as not only does the word of the Lord spread rapidly, but also just the glory of God is spreading in that way. Beloved, as we also look and think about this, as we look in Scripture, one of the main ways that this occurs is as God's people scatter throughout their life, and in so doing, they're telling people about Christ. If you will, go over to the book of Acts for just a moment. Go to Acts chapter 8. And Acts chapter 8. If you recall the, the commission that Jesus gave to his disciples, we read it there in Matthew 28, where he told them to go make disciples of all the nations. And then in Acts chapter 1, before Jesus ascends to heaven and he has spent for at least 40 days with his disciples and teaching them about the kingdom of God and explaining things more thoroughly to them for them to understand, he told them that the Spirit of God was going to come upon them, this promise that had been given to them, that the Spirit would come and when he would, that they would be endued with power and they were to go out in the power of the Spirit of God to be a witness for Christ and to witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and even to the end of the earth to the end of the ages keep moving forward the spreading of the gospel but sadly when you read through the book of Acts and when we get here to chapter 8 thus far a significant amount of time has gone by and thus far they haven't moved they have stayed there in Jerusalem they may have scattered out a little bit in Judea but they haven't gone to Samaria and they haven't gone out to the Gentiles. They haven't moved out as the Lord had commissioned them to do. And because they hadn't, in chapter 8 is where we see the persecution that comes against the church through the hands of a man by the name of Saul that we also become to know by the name of Paul who become an apostle. But before he was saved, as it says there in verse 3, he's ravaging the church. He's entering house after house. He's dragging off men and women. He's putting them in prison. But what I want you to see is through this persecution, it brings about a scattering of the people. And as the people of God scatter, that's when actually the gospel scatters and it begins to spread. Look at verse 4. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. And this is not the apostles. These are just the people. The apostles stayed there. Look back in verse 1. It says, Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death, talking about Stephen. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions. Notice now, Judea and Samaria. It's finally moving out of Jerusalem. Everybody scattered except the apostles. So when you read in verse 4, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Beloved, that was just the... Everyday, ordinary members of the church there at Jerusalem that when they scattered because of the persecution, it didn't cause them to keep their mouth shut. They went out and as they went about scattering out, they were preaching the word. They were preaching about Jesus Christ. Because we get an example of that in the next verses that come with the person by the name of Philip. Philip is one of the ones that goes to the city of Samaria. And what does it tell us in verse 5? He began proclaiming Christ to them. 
This is where they're preaching the word. They're proclaiming Christ to them, telling them about their need of salvation in Jesus Christ, that salvation is in Christ alone. Think about this again. Keep in mind what you read there in chapter 8 about the scattering. Go over to chapter 11 for just a moment. Go to Acts chapter 11. And look down at verse 19. Verse 19 is a reference back to chapter 7 and chapter 8 of Acts. Because it says, So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen, they made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch, and they began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. Here it is again. How is it that the gospel is spreading out? How is it the gospel finally got outside of the Jews? How did it finally get to Samaria? Those that were just a part of the church when they scattered. How is it that it got to the Greeks and it got to the Gentiles from those that were scattered? They finally went out and started sharing the gospel. And as they did, the hand of the Lord was with them and a large number of people believed in what they were saying and they turned to the Lord. What I'm sharing with you is what a gentleman by the name of Michael Green says in his book on evangelism in the early church, that the chief aspects of expansion, the expansion of Christianity, when we look and read in the New Testament, appears not to have been by those who made it their profession or those who made it their primary part of their occupation, but it was simply by the men and women who carried on their livelihood in some really purely secular manner. And as they did, they went about speaking about the faith in Christ to those that were just around them. This is how the gospel spread. This is what we've been striving at. And that's why last Sunday night, when we came to the close of our service, and I had down here on the table the tracks, is for us to go out All of us, including myself, go out and spread the gospel. Go out, begin to pray. Lord, is there someone that that I can can give this gospel uh, track to that that summarizes the gospel for them? And and Lord, begin praying for them and and reading it yourself, studying it yourself, learning it yourself, looking for the opportunity to, to talk with them about it. And at the very least, just give it to them and let encourage them to read it. And pray that God would work in their heart and that they would put their faith in Christ as we just go about our lives. You see, beloved, when we go back to our primary text back in Matthew 28, that this is really what Jesus was telling them. Therefore, go and make disciples. The main thought there is making disciples, but tied to that is the going. And that idea there of going is going on a journey, going on a journey with the purpose of making disciples. This is to be intentional. This is to be purposeful in our life. Well, the church's main function in the world is the redemption of man, of mankind. That's why I said we, if we think about what we do here even at the church 
that yes, as we primarily gather together, it will be the equipping of the saints, it will be the exalting of our Savior, the edification of the saints, but also a part of that is an evangelizing of the lost, of sinners who are in, in need of Christ. So the one major difference between the church and any other organization that is out there in our community is this, is that if someone comes here, they are going to hear the gospel, they're going to hear the truth, they're going to hear the word of God. Doesn't matter what aspect of our church they would come to to be a part of. From children's ministry to youth ministry to the pulpit to Sunday school classes, discipleship training classes, whatever classes it may be, whatever gatherings they may be, that they're going to hear the word of God. This is how we go. We go about proclaiming the gospel. And let me just give you a motivation to do that. Turn over with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 for a moment. I know these are some things we have talked about at different occasions. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul says in verse 9 that we have it as our ambition... This is the ambition of my life, Paul says, whether I'm at home or absent. We talked about this morning. That is, if I'm at home here uh, in the body or I'm absent, whatever it may be, that our desire is to be pleasing to him. Our desire is to be pleasing uh, to God. In verse 10, it says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ." Now, the judgment seat of Christ is not the same as the great white throne judgment that we read about at the end of the book of Revelation. The judgment seat of Christ is for believers. The great white throne judgment will be for unbelievers. And as we, what he's saying here is, is that we as believers will all have to appear before the beam of seat of Christ. And as we do, that each one of us may be recompensed for the deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So we know that we're going to be held accountable before the Lord for our life. Now notice what Paul says here. Knowing this is a reality, verse 11, Therefore, that is therefore because I know I have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. That persuading of men there is they're going to persuade men to come to Christ. This is what moved Paul, one of the main motivators in his heart of why Paul was going to go out and tell people about Jesus. It's because he knew one day he had to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for his life. Because of that, and he knew also others as well, we know the fear of the Lord. We persuade men. There would be a reward for that as well. And as we talked about, beloved, he's going to be looking at it, whether it's good or bad. And that good or bad there is not necessarily speaking about that God, when it comes to our evangelism or your evangelism, that he's going to say, well, you only won 10 people to the Lord, or you only won 100 people to the Lord, or you only won however many people to the Lord. No, what the Lord is going to look at is he's going to say, have you been faithful? 
Have you been faithful to the mission? Have you been faithful to the message? Have you been faithful to the means I gave you? Have you been faithful to the method itself? When you went out to share the gospel, did you make sure that the principles you used were not in conflict with the principles of Scripture? That when the content of what you shared, and not just what you said, but how you said it, when you went about calling people to Christ, were you just faithful to this? Were you faithful to go to anyone and everyone because I gave you a mission to go out and to make disciples of all the nations. And I told you to do that to the end of the age, which means this, you just keep on keeping on evangelizing and sharing the gospel with people until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back or the Lord comes to take us home in death. We keep just being passionate, pleading with people by the scriptures to come to Christ's knowing that we will have to give an account. So as we look back at Matthew 28, at the mission we've been given to make disciples, the first thing we do is we go. And as we go, we go out to share the gospel. And the first thing that must happen then is that someone must become a disciple of Christ. That is, they must have become a follower of Jesus. That, that is what a disciple of Christ is. It's a follower of Jesus. It is someone that is seeing the, the bankruptcy of their life spiritually because of their sin. It is someone that has counted the cost of following Christ and in counting that cost, knowing that it could cost them everything in their life, but yet they have seen the value of, their, of the Lord Jesus Christ and His work on the cross, and they've committed their soul, they've committed their life to Christ, they've committed to the Lordship of Christ, they've committed to learning from Christ, they've committed to leaning on Christ, and Christ alone is the sacrifice for their sins, and leaning on Him alone for His righteousness to be given to them. They're leaning on Christ. This is the disciple of Christ. And this is what we're doing. And this is what we see in the New Testament as they go about making disciples. But now notice that once this happens, and someone becomes a genuine follower of Christ, that the mission isn't over. Go back to verse 19. Now this new convert, this new disciple, needs to be baptized. And again, beloved, may I just share with you that baptism, again, is not necessary for our salvation. That is, it's not necessary for our justification. There's no such thing as baptismal regeneration. You're saved by Christ and Christ alone. You put your faith in Christ, and if you genuinely put your faith in Christ, if a person does that, they are saved. They know Jesus as Savior and Lord, they're saved. But it doesn't stop there. So what I'm saying is, is if you go out, and as you're sharing the gospel with someone, and let's say you've passed that track out, and now this person's beginning to ask questions, and you're talking with them, and they, they're beginning to hear the gospel and understand the gospel, and they trust Christ as their Savior and Lord, your mission with them isn't over. The next thing now they need to do is they do need to be baptized. Notice he says, baptizing them, the disciples, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Because it is in now in this baptism that this person is now publicly identifying with Christ. 
This is where they have publicly identified with Him and let the world know and let other people know, I am with Christ. I am a follower of Christ. I am a disciple of Christ. This is what we see happening in the the ministries and as the expansion of the gospel. If you will, for just a moment, let's look at a few cases, a few places about this. Go over again to the gospel of John, to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. We've read this passage, these couple of verses here before, but look again at verses 1 and 2. John 4 verse 1 says, Therefore when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John. So you see, people that were genuinely coming to know Jesus, they were willing to identify with him. And by willing to identify with him, they were doing that by being baptized. Now that doesn't mean there wasn't a large crowd of people at times that would walk around with Jesus and follow him around because of the miracles and the different things that were going on. But they hadn't all necessarily been willing to publicly identify with Christ by being baptized. So this is what Jesus was doing in his ministry. If you go over to the book of Acts, go to Acts chapter 2. When we have the church being founded in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God comes upon the apostles and Peter stands up and begins to preach. And he preaches to this Jewish crowd that is gathered around and he preaches to them Jesus. And after he's completed his sermon with them and telling them they needed to be saved in verse 40 from this perverse generation, so then it says in verse 41, those who received the word were baptized. And he, say, why were they baptized? Because he told them they needed to be baptized. They needed to be baptized because of the forgiveness of their sins. That is, they received the forgiveness of their sins by repenting of their sins, putting their faith in Jesus, and he says, and be baptized for the forgiveness. That is, because of the forgiveness of your sins. And this is exactly what they were doing. They're fulfilling the Great Commission. Jesus says, go and make disciples and baptize them. And this is what was happening here. And that day they were added about 3,000 souls. The ones that were added, the ones that were counted, the ones that were numbered were the ones that stepped forward and to be publicly identified with Christ in baptism. This is what we see happening here on the day of Pentecost. Go over to chapter 8 of Acts where now the gospel spreads to Judea and into Samaria. We saw under the hands of Philip. And it says in verse 12 that when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized. Men and women alike. So again, we see in this disciple-making process of what's taking place that what do you do? You go out. They're scattering. They're sharing the gospel. There are people that are believing the gospel. They're believing the good news about Jesus. They're repenting of their sins. They're putting their faith in Christ. But it doesn't stop there. Then they're being baptized. They're identifying with Christ. Look, if you will, over to chapter 10 of Acts. When the gospel now begins to spread even more. 
from the hands of the apostles to the Gentiles. When it comes to the house of Cornelius, the man who had the vision, a centurion, a God-fearing man who has a vision and Peter has a vision and God connects these two visions to bring these two men together where Peter shows up and in verse 34 of chapter 10, he opens his mouth and he begins to preach to them and then he preaches to them, he begins to preach to them about Jesus Christ. And as he's preaching to them about Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God comes down upon them as they're listening there to the message. They're believing. They're believing what it is that they heard. And it says in verse 47, Surely, Peter says, No one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So we see here as the gospel is expanding, as the church is expanding, as this fulfilling this commission to go and make disciples. It starts there in Jerusalem. And they preach it to the Jews that are there in Jerusalem. And they receive the word of God and they believe what Peter said. Again, receiving that word meant they repented of their sins and they put their faith in Christ. And they received his word that you needed to be baptized. And so they were baptized. And then the gospel goes out to Samaria and the same thing happens. And now it comes to the Gentiles, Cornelius, and the same thing happens. Look over in chapter 16 for a moment. Where Paul comes to the community of Philippi that we're studying about in the letter he wrote to them. You remember how it starts there in verse 14. A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening. She's listening to Paul who's there preaching. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. So she's responding She's responding in faith. She's responding in true repentance. And then what happens? She and her household then had been baptized. The same thing happens a little later on here in the city of Philippi with the Philippian jailer and his household. Where he comes crying to Paul there in prison in verse 30 saying, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul says, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to them, to him together with all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds and immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. He brought them into his house and set food before them and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. Again, notice how it flows. Here is Paul preaching the gospel to this Philippian jailer, preaching it to his household. And everyone that was there in that household, they listened to the message that was preached. And in listening to the message that was preached, they believed it. And they believed what he had to say about Christ, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And once they believed, they were baptized. This is the making of disciples. The following through on the mission that the Lord has given us. In fact, if you go one other place, go over to chapter 19 of Acts. Where you find a very interesting situation where Paul comes across some, you want to say, disciples of John, John the Baptist. 
And if you go back to the ministry of John the Baptist, remember, what John was preaching, and he was preaching that you need to be baptized as well, not that somehow that made you right with God by being baptized, but you were identifying with the message of what John was preaching when you were being baptized. And John was telling them, if you go back and read in the Gospels, John was saying, there's one who's coming, there's one who's coming, the Messiah is coming, there's one who is coming, he's going to be the Savior of the world, there is one who is coming. And when Paul comes across them and starts talking about the Holy Spirit, they haven't even heard about all of what would be a part of that. And they says, well, what have you been baptized in? In verse 3, and he said, into John's baptism. And he said, well, Paul said, well, John was baptizing with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is, in Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So here it is, you have some disciples of John that had been baptized by John, but now Paul comes along and tells them the full story, tells them the rest of the story. And they hear it, and clearly what you see happening here, they're believing it, and they're baptized as well. But what I'm saying to you is, we look at the pattern, is once a person puts their faith in Christ. They need to then be instructed in the ordinance of baptism. That they're commanded by the Lord Jesus Christ to follow him in obedience. So the person that you may have the privilege of sharing the gospel with, sharing the word of God with, and seeing them come to Christ, the job's not over. You need to stay with them. And you did now help them understand the importance of, of baptism. The importance of now publicly identifying with Christ. And just think about this, beloved. As you do that, how that gives this person, it gives this person a, an opportunity to grow in their understanding. It gives them an opportunity to first uh, walk in obedience to Christ where you show them that the Lord commanded us to be baptized. So this is a step of obedience for them. But also, just think about this, it's giving them the opportunity to begin obeying one of the main commands that Jesus gave. Because we're going to see in a moment, Jesus said, go out and baptize them and teach them to obey all that I commanded. What is it in that verse that Jesus just commanded them to do? Go make disciples. So when you're discipling someone, you're discipling them to go out and make disciples. And they get an opportunity to begin to practice that because, just think about this, you're the one there ministering to them. You're the one there sharing the gospel with them. So you're the one there getting to hear them share their testimony. You're getting to hear them talk about what the gospel means to their life, that they put their faith in Christ. And if they're going to be baptized, just think about this. Here it is. You've been used of God to go out and share the gospel with them. They've come to know Christ. You begin to talk to them now about now as a disciple of Christ, you're going to obey Jesus Christ, walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, follow Christ. And in your following Christ, you're going to now want to be baptized. So now you're going to bring them in here as the pastor. I'm going to sit down with this person and begin to talk with them. And I want to hear their understanding of the gospel. I want to hear their testimony. I want to hear how they understand they were a sinner and they were in need of Christ and they turned and put their faith in Christ. So now this person has shared the gospel with you. They've shared the gospel with me. 
They're sharing this. And then just think about this. Then they come and after doing that and we're presenting them to be baptized here in the body of Christ uh, here at East Gina Baptist Church that one of the blessings they can have then is to even share their testimony with the church and say, this is what God did in my life. I was lost and now I'm found. I know Christ. And what a blessing that is for us as a congregation to hear how God is saving people and bringing them to Christ. So beloved, once this person becomes a disciple of Christ. And they're expressing that in their life. They're expressing that, that they can articulate that. They put their faith in Christ. Part of them being a disciple and and making disciples is now you're going to be instructing them and encouraging them to follow the Lord in obedience to baptism. That's why I say to you even here tonight, if you're here tonight and you would profess to know Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord, then you need to follow the Lord in obedience. You need to be baptized. That is, you need to come and publicly identify with Christ. Identify with Him. This is an act of obedience. It's an act of love towards Christ. But let me just start the other aspect of this tonight, and we'll pick this back up next time together. But if you go back to Matthew 28, again we see that it, after baptizing them, another aspect of making disciples is teaching them. Teach them to observe all that I commanded you. We go and teach them to obey what God has said. And again, we can walk back through this and we see this in the, in the ministry of Jesus. Just take Jesus' ministry. Jesus was teaching his disciples. He did that to the whole crowds, the large crowds. He would teach his disciples But he didn't just teach his disciples, he also picked the twelve. And he taught those twelve. And there's things that he taught the twelve that he didn't teach everybody else. It's not that he he wanted them to be eventually go out and teach them. And then if you look very carefully, you'll also notice even out of the twelve, Jesus picked three. Peter, James, and John. And he spent a lot more time with them, instructing them about things, telling them some things, uh, showing them some things that he didn't tell the others. You remember, it was only those three that got the privilege of being, out, being up on the mountain whenever the, Elijah and Moses show up there. And he even asked them not to say anything about it till afterwards. So we see Jesus here teaching the people. And then think about it again. This is a disciple of Christ. A disciple of Christ should want to be taught. That is, they've surrendered. Remember, becoming a disciple of Jesus, that is, becoming a Christian means that you have committed your life to learn from the Lord Jesus Christ. You've committed your life to the Lordship of Christ. 
So if you've committed your life to the Lordship of Christ, if you've committed to learning from Christ, then you want to be taught the Word of God. You want to understand what the Bible teaches. How is it that you can obey all that Christ commanded if you don't know what Christ commanded? Or you could look over and just look at this real quick. Go back over to Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, we just saw a moment ago Peter preached. And as he finished his sermon, those who received his word in verse 41 were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. And they, that is those who received his word and those that were baptized, those that were added to the church, they were continually, verse 42, devoting themselves. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, the breaking of bread and to prayer. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And the reason why they were devoted to the apostles' teaching is because, again, remember the context of what we're reading here. There is no New Testament. All there is is the Old Testament. And again, remember, it is God that's going to use the apostles to lay the foundation, really, even of the New Testament. It is God that was using the apostles to teach the Word of God at that time. So they, when they say they're devoted to the apostles' teaching, they were devoted to the Word of God. They were devoted to to listening and learning it and growing in it. And they were devoted to this. You see, when those folks got saved, the apostles saw it now as their responsibility to begin to teach them. Because that's what Jesus said. Go, make disciples, baptize them, now teach them all that I commanded you. And beloved, that same charge is given to us today. It's interesting, we may look at this a little more next time, but It's interesting when you go and look at the ministry of the Apostle Paul. You read through the book of Acts and you see that in Paul's ministry, he would go out on a missionary journey and he would come back. He would come back to the church at Antioch that sent him out. And then he would go out again and then he came back. And then he went out a third time and he came back. But you know what's interesting is when you begin to read carefully is that Paul seemed to keep going a lot to the same places. He kept going back to the disciples to teach them, to teach them some more, to strengthen them, to strengthen his disciples. Because Paul knew that the the mission he had been given was not about getting decisions from those people. It was about disciple-making. And the disciple-making, he knew they were to be baptized, but he also knew they were to be taught the Word of God. So he just kept going back and strengthening them. He also would help establish leadership in those churches so they would have folks there that could teach the Word of God as well. Paul knew this was his mission, and it's our mission as well. So, beloved, as we think about this mission, 
Let me ask you this tonight as we close this time together and we'll pick this back up together again next Sunday and we'll maybe look a little more carefully here at Paul's ministry and see how it is he did this. And not only we see that Paul did it on a massive scale, but he did it on a personal scale that he began. Because what we're building into when we're now beginning to talk about teaching, we're getting into this idea of discipling. That yes, we are to evangelize, but we're also to disciple. And in fact, what, what I've been explaining to you, this whole process is actually discipling. That is, you go out and share the gospel, somebody gets saved, and you're now helping them to understand about baptism, about being taught, and all those things. That is an aspect of you discipling someone. But we'll see that in the life of Paul. But we'll also see that that is something that should come from the church. But tonight as we close our time together, let me ask you this. First and foremost, are you a disciple of Christ? Are you a disciple of Christ? Are you a true follower of Christ? If you answered that question, yes. And the next question I have is this. Have you identified with Christ? Have you identified with Christ by being baptized? If your answer to no is that, then you need to follow through on that. I would encourage you before you even leave tonight, come and talk with me about that. About your, tell me if you're, that you know Jesus Christ so I can begin to talk with you and pray with you and, and walk you through the gospel and make sure you understand the gospel. But in, in doing that, begin to instruct you and talk to you about baptism and how important it is, the significance of it. And then you're going to need to be taught the word of God. And I ask you again tonight, are you being taught the Word of God? Are you teaching the Word of God? Are you teaching others? Are we just being faithful to what God has called us to do? I want to ask us as we close tonight, I want to ask you if you'd bow your head in prayer for a moment.